0: Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Happy Friday, October 9th, Careers Friday, the very last day in Industrial Water Week. My name is Trace Blackmore, and I have been bringing you a brand new episode each and every day of Industrial Water Week. I wanna thank all the people that have hashtag IWW20 for their pictures, their posts, all sort of things that they have been doing this week so we can all share the celebration together. Folks, you got one last day to do that. And of course, today is where the cakes come out. I've asked you to make a water cake. The recipe is up on the show notes page. The main ingredient is water. It's probably the only cake like this you will ever make. It has a really long history, but the neat thing about it is it was a cake before refrigeration, before allowing people to travel. So no milk, no butter, no eggs, nothing that would spoil, and it was a favorite before there was refrigeration. So think about all the things that we have in our job because there is refrigeration. And think about all the things that we are able to do because there's water and we are industrial water treaters. So what an incredible cake for us to celebrate Industrial Water Week with. And I hope all of you will send your pictures in, hashtag them to IWW20, and we're going to have a good time with this. Well, of course, today we are celebrating careers. And I think one of my favorite questions to ask water treaters when they come on this show is, how did you get into this industry? Now, some might be similar, but nobody's experience has ever been the same. And I really think that that is awesome. We all get into this industry in one way or another. And the thing is, most of us didn't know about this industry. Of course, I knew about it because of my father. And if you had a family member in this industry, you knew about it. But most everybody else, they find it some other way. And I love hearing those stories In fact, I would love it if you would do a hashtag and let us know how you got into the water treatment industry. I think that would be a tremendous amount of fun looking to see how people got into this great industry. Now, we have been celebrating industrial water treatment this entire week. Monday was pre-treatment. Tuesday was boilers. Wednesday was cooling. Yesterday was wastewater. And today, of course, it's all about careers. And I have to say that I think I have had the most awesome career. I can't imagine what else would have given me the enjoyment that I have gotten from water treatment. So I am so fortunate that one, my dad introduced me to this and two, I had so many great mentors that took Trace Blackmore where he was and encouraged him to grow stronger, to encourage him to get more information, encouraged him to be more than what he was when they originally met me. And I actually received an award last week because of my commitment to the water treatment industry. And for those of you that listened to the show last Friday, I was very clear that that was not my award. That was an accumulative award for all the people that have helped me become the water treater that I am. So I really want to encourage all the listeners out there to not only be mentored by somebody, but become a mentor to somebody else. Folks, there's just so much knowledge that if we're not exchanging it with each other, that information just doesn't translate. So please become a mentor, be a mentor, and raise that bar in the water treatment industry. Something we've been doing that I think has been pretty fun for the entire week is we have been playing installments of Industrial Water Treatment Jeopardy. So folks, here is our last installment of Industrial Water Treatment Jeopardy. Which element has the atomic number of eight? What is oxygen? This metal has roughly eight times the thermal conductivity of carbon steel. What is copper? The Latin word ferrum is where this element gets its name from. What is iron? And of course we abbreviate that as Fe. This is defined as the relation of the heat capacity of a fluid to the heat capacity of water at the same temperature. What is specific heat? These are forms of an element with the same atomic number, but contain a different number of neutrons. What are isotopes? Well folks, there you go. I've asked you roughly 25 questions this week. Some were made for fun. Some were made to get you to start thinking. All of them were made so you start thinking about, how do I start to learn more about what I do as an industrial water treater? I've said it before during this week. I'm going to say it again. Our job lends itself so well to learn something new each and every day. And if you are not taking advantage of that, you're truly missing out on what I think is the most wonderful thing about our industry. So take a moment and think about how can you learn more? What do you know that you don't know that you need to know? You know? Nation, I have thoroughly enjoyed working with James McDonald, the founder of Industrial Water Week. This week, he has helped me out so much with content, and I know that we have all become fans of the Detective H2O series. Well, today, James has something a little bit different for all of us. It's Detective H2O's daughter, Dr. H2O. So get ready to solve problems in Waterville. Here's Dr. H2O.
1: Welcome to Dr. H2O, the case of hard diagnosis. Hilda Helen Oxidane, PhD, CWT, sat in her immaculately white laboratory studying the results of her latest scale inhibition analysis of a new polymer she had been developing. It looked promising. She jumped a little when her smartphone came to life in her lab coat pocket, ringing once, twice, no only once. She was too efficient to waste time.
2: Hello, Dr. Cho here, the best water treater this side of the Ohio. Diagnosing water problems for a healthier system. How may I help you?
3: Wait a minute! Doesn't your father, Detective H2O, say the exact same thing? How can you both be the best water treater this side of the Ohio?
2: We live on opposite sides of the Ohio River. Now that we've gotten that cleared up, how may I help you?
3: Well, Doc, this is Danny. Down at Waterton Food and Beverage, our softener is sick.
2: What are the symptoms?
3: She's not getting a full run. She produces hard water long before she should. We need your services, Doc. We heard you make house calls.
2: Oh, yes, I make house calls powerhouse calls. I will be over shortly.
1: Dr. H2O arrived at Waterton food and beverage in her white late model Mercedes. She removed her black test bag from the trunk, checked in with the front gate guards, and made her way to the powerhouse. On her way to see Danny, the powerhouse superintendent, she stopped briefly to peruse the powerhouse logbook. She saw several notes of the water softeners producing hard water prematurely with the units manually placed into regeneration. There was definitely a problem here. Doc,
3: you made it. Glad to see you.
2: You too, Danny. Let's take a look at this water softener of yours.
1: Making their way down the stairs to the powerhouse basement, the water softener
3: loomed before them. She's actually two twin alternating softeners, but we see her as one large piece of equipment.
2: If you don't mind me asking, do you refer to all of your water treatment unit operations using feminine pronouns?
3: Oh no, that R over there is a he. We're an equal opportunity offender here.
1: He chuckled. I see. Smiled the water doctor. Dr. H2O reviewed the water treatment logs, observing.
2: So both water softener tanks are exhibiting premature hardness breakthrough at approximately the same time. That means the likely cause is common to both of them and not a mechanical issue on an individual unit itself. Let's start at the beginning, though, by doing an analysis of the incoming city water. I want to know if anything has changed.
1: Opening her black bag, she extracted her water testing supplies and started running her analysis on the city water. Comparing it to her notes from previous Waterton city water analysis, she observed,
2: Nothing has changed significantly with the city water. Total hardness, pH, iron, etc. All are basically the same. The free chlorine is higher than many areas around the city, at greater than 1 ppm, but still within the city's control parameters. By my calculations, your water softener is producing only 85% of the design softening capacity and
3: dropping. Wow, Doc. I told you she was sick.
2: Yes, our next step is to manually place the online softener vessel into regeneration. Observe the steps and perform an elution study to ensure proper brine concentrations are being reached.
1: Dr. H2O stood beside the softener drain line that opened to the floor drain as Danny opened the control box and initiated a manual regeneration. Valves opened and closed, the standby software unit came online, and the online unit went into regeneration. The first step was a backwash to expand the resin bed and remove any debris or broken beads.
2: On a smaller unit, I could use a bucket to measure the flow rates out of the softener during each regeneration step to ensure they meet manufacturer specifications or industry standards. With flow as large as this, where that is impossible, one must fall back upon observations instead of absolute accuracy.
1: While the backwash continued, Dr. H2O inspected the brine tank and tested its level of saturation with her sodium chloride salometer. It was 100% saturated, as it should have been. She also measured the brine tank diameter and brine depth. The backwash went through its entire cycle as expected for as long as expected. No cause for malady so far. With a salometer and graduated cylinder in hand, when the brine cycle started, Dr. H2O started recording the salinity of the water every three minutes.
2: Some people like to measure every five minutes, but I find I get a much more detailed elution curve every three minutes. Sometimes the enhanced data resolution helps.
1: At the end of the brine cycle, the slow rinse cycle started. Dr. H2O measured the brine depth again while keeping an eye on the slow rinse cycle flow and duration. Lastly, the fast wrench cycle started, and she observed and timed as well. Plotting the salometer data points on her tablet computer, Danny watched over her
3: shoulder and asked, Well, did you find anything?
2: No. This is a textbook example of what an elution curve should be. It shows just over 30 salometer degrees for 30 minutes per industry standard. I calculated the brine usage from the change in the brine tank level, and that is perfectly within industry standards as well. So far, we have a healthy specimen. Let me take a closer look at the floor drain area.
1: Using the flashlight setting on our smartphone, Dr. H2O made a close inspection of the floor drain.
2: Do you see this, Danny?
3: See what, Doc?
2: These little broken resin beads. There aren't many, but there are a few. You don't have a resin trap installed, I see, which could have been helpful. I think it is time for a surgical approach. Let's open the standby softener up. With the other unit online, we have several hours before that one is due for regeneration. Sure, whatever
1: you say, Doc. Relieving the water pressure on the standby softener, Danny opened the top maintenance hole on the softener vessel. After inspecting the ladder, Dr. H. Dool climbed up and took a look. The surface of the resin bed was relatively even, no obvious signs of uneven flow or channeling. The surface also looked clean and free of debris. Next, she measured how far the resin bed started from the top of the vessel and marked this level on the side of the unit. There were no previous markings, so it was not possible to see if there had been any change. What do you see up there, Dr. H2O?
2: So far, so good. Now to take a core resin sample.
1: Improvising a resin thief with PVC piping, she drove it into the resin bed and obtained the best representative sample that she could. Pulling out her magnifying glass, she took a look at the resin.
2: The color looks typical, although without a sample of the original resin, it's hard to tell what color it truly was originally. I do see some broken beads in here.
1: The doctor observed. Then she placed some resin beads between her fingers and began to rub them around.
2: Danny, come here stat!
1: What's up, doc? Asked Danny as he came running.
2: Watch this!
1: Replied Dr. H2O as she rubbed more resin beads between her fingers. They disintegrated!
3: That's weird. What's happening here?
2: We made our diagnosis, Danny. That's what's happening. Your resin is breaking down due to the over 1 ppm free chlorine in your incoming city water. The chlorine attacks the polystyrene cross-linking in the resin beads, causing its moisture content to rise and the beads to swell. The beads start to break and get washed out with the backwash, reducing overall capacity. I prescribe replacing the resin as soon as possible.
3: I see. Is there anything we can do to prevent the new resin from degrading the same way?
2: That's a great question. While there's really no such thing as a chlorine-resistant softener resin, you can get resins with higher cross-linkings that will withstand the chlorine oxidation for longer periods of time. You could also install dechlorination technology upstream of the water softener, such as a carbon filter. I'll work up a report on a few options.
3: Our softeners will be on the mend running at full capacity soon because of you. Thanks, Dr. H2O
1: dusting off her white lab coat and picking up her black testing bag, Dr. H2O replied,
2: It's all in a day's work, Danny. Healing water treatment problems is in my blood.
1: In industrial plants across sprawling Waterton, where boilers get upset and cooling towers operate at fever pitch, one woman has made it her calling to diagnose their ills to soothe corrosion, mitigate scale, disinfect microbes, and save water drop by drop. That woman is Dr. H2O best water treater this side of the Ohio. One doctor that still makes house calls. Powerhouse
0: calls. James, it is awesome how you make learning something new so much fun. I know all of us in the Scaling Up Nation have enjoyed the installments of Detective H2O and now Dr. H2O this week. By the way, Dr. H2O is played by James's daughter. So what do you think she's going to do when she grows up? Unlike many others, at least she knows about the water treatment industry, and she has that as an option. So just like James, just like my father, you never know what's going to happen with the people you invest in. With the people that you tell about, how awesome your job is. Folks, this isn't a job. This is a career. And as I've said several times, I can't think of a better career. It was tailor-made for me. I have fun every day. I get to learn something new every day. So you never know what the person you invest in is going to do in the water treatment industry and how they're gonna raise that bar. A job as cool as water treatment needs something equally as cool. That's why we've designed several water treatment themed t-shirts just for you. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash shop to see these designs and grab a few. We plan on releasing new designs every few months. So if you like it, get it now. It might not be there later. Go to ScalingUpH2O.com forward slash shop to get yours today. Nation, there's so many ways to define an industrial water treater. I know it's hard enough when we talk to ourselves to define what we do across different industrial water treatment industries. Well, folks, it is even harder for our spouses and our kids to understand what it is that we do but they try and here they are trying to explain what we do as industrial water treaters
2: my mom does experiments and plays with water and she also does work on computers and work on her phone and Um, I really like my mom because she's nice and a great mom.
3: Mommy and Daddy do at work all day.
2: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) My dad sells pumps.
1: Noah, what do I do for a living?
2: You clean water and have fun.
1: That's about right. Yeah,
2: but that's (laughs) all.
3: My name is DJ. My head is Mark Lewis. He is a water treater. He taught Mr. Trace everything he knows.
0: How funny was that? So some a little closer than others and some maybe we need to take their definitions of what they think it is that we do. Nation, it's been my hope that you have enjoyed Industrial Water Week, that you have reached out to someone and let them know that we have a holiday that we celebrate the first full week in October. And we are going to do the same thing next year. Don't know how we're gonna top this one, but we will, I promise that's next year's problem, but we will figure it out. We're going to need your help to do it. So even more interaction next year. For those of you that are continuing to hashtag IWW20, thank you so much for that. Thank you for all the comments that people have been sending. Thank you for the cake pictures. I love that people are trying to make the water cake. I love that you're getting behind the history of the water cake, why the water cake is symbolic of us as Industrial water treaters. So, thank you for all of that. And, folks, I am sorry to say, but we are now going to close the ceremonies of Industrial Water Week. So, just like we opened up the Industrial Water Week with James McDonald, James McDonald has the honor of closing our ceremonies. So, here's James. Hello,
1: Scaling Up Nation. This is James McDonald. As this third annual Industrial Water Week comes to a close, I want to thank each and every one of you for celebrating in some way. Whether you're shared in on the celebration on social media, with co-workers, friends, or family, or if you're joined in your hearts, celebrating Industrial Water Week is ultimately about celebrating you. I am proud to count you all in my list of colleagues. And even though we should really celebrate our noble profession every day of the year, I look forward to celebrating the next Industrial Water Week with you on October 4th through 8th, 2021. Happy Industrial Water Week.
0: James, thank you for that. Thank you for coming up with the idea that we industrial water treaters need a holiday and doing all the things that you had to do to get this to be an official holiday. How cool is that? We're going to figure out what we're going to do next year to celebrate this. Now, it's not over yet. We still have plenty of Friday left. So, if you haven't made the cake, download the water cake recipe from the show notes page. Make sure that you're hashtagging some pictures. Folks, if you didn't hashtag some pictures of boilers or cooling towers, go ahead and make up for that today. Go ahead and send those to iww 20 and, folks, I am just so excited to be a water treater. I am excited that we have this podcast that we call Scaling Up H2O. And within this podcast, we created not only an audience, but a community. And of course, that community is the Scaling Up Nation. And when I think of the Scaling Up Nation, I think of all of the tens of thousands of water treaters that are a member of the Scaling Up Nation that we know on our hardest day out there as an industrial water treater, that we are experiencing something that somebody else is probably going through as well. We are not alone. We are part of a community and folks, we are industrial. Water treaters. Now, I'm going to end this episode just like I did all the other episodes. So, here's today's quote by Mahatma Gandhi You must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is an ocean. If a few drops of the ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. With all the things that are going on today, how much sense does that make? Folks, I will talk with you next Friday with a brand new episode. Continue to post on social media by hashtagging IWW20. I want to see those cakes. I want to see that equipment that you're so proud of. Folks, have a great week. Be safe. See you next Friday.